0: Hello, how are you? Good to see you. Good to see you. Welcome to Potential Church. My name is Brian Vassell. I'm one of your pastors. I'm excited to be here. I hope that you are too. You guys excited? All of our campuses? I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. Hallandale Beach. Are you guys excited to be here? I can hear you. I can hear you. Cooper City, you guys excited? I mean, it's almost Christmas. That's better. That's better. It's almost Christmas. Can you believe it's almost Christmas? Hard to believe. It's It's... It's blown my mind. If you've been out lately, you see all this Christmas stuff kind of happening around you. And uh, it is, (laughs) sounds like somebody left the uh, microwave, the dryer going or something. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, glad you're here. Do me a favor. Take out those notes you received when you came in. There's a little booklet that says who's coming. That's a brand new series we're in for the next couple of weeks. And I want to encourage you to take some good notes today. Because it's our goal to be able to give you something that you didn't have when you came in. So if you have a pencil or a pen, if you don't, there's some in the seat backs all of our campuses. You guys online as well. You can take notes in the upper right-hand corner, there's a little tab marked marked notes. Uh it, it's funny as I was working on this weekend, I was thinking this is my wife and I's 20th Christmas here at Potential Church. And we're excited. Yeah, it's awesome. We're we're excited to be here and it, it keeps getting better and better. And if you've never been part of a Christmas experience from Christmas kickoff all the way through the holiday, uh you're in for a treat if you're brand new to the church. I just want to tell you, be ready, it's going to be absolutely, absolutely incredible. Now, when I was a kid, how many of y'all remember the Sears catalog? Remember the Sears catalog if you were, you're going to show your age, okay? What, if you don't know what that is, what that was, was it was about a two-inch thick glossy catalog that had all kinds of stuff in it. Clothes and toys and all kinds of stuff you could get. And my brother and I every year would, would get it. We'd get it in November. And we'd go in and we'd circle all the things we wanted for Christmas. And we'd dog ear the pages. And we'd put little sticky notes in there. And leave it out so my parents could see exactly what it is that we wanted to get for Christmas. Now, we started this in early November. But it took forever for Christmas to get there, doesn't it? When you were a little kid, Christmas took forever. And I noticed when you get older, Christmas comes a lot quicker, doesn't it? I mean, it starts early, you know. You have Halloween in one aisle at the department store. And right next to it, there's snowmen. And you're like, what? This is like the middle of, you know, October. What's going on here with with, with all the Christmas stuff? Or the red cups at Starbucks, right? When those red cups come out, it's officially the Christmas holiday. That's what it feels like, right? The older you get, it seems like Christmas gets here quicker and quicker and quicker. And notice what I brought up here on stage to show you. A delightfully decorated Christmas tree. Isn't that beautiful? Now, for some of you in the room, this brings you tremendous anxiety. It's like Christmas is coming like a freight train down your throat. You can't imagine it's coming quicker than you want it to. Christmas is in an all-fire hurry to get here. But, But it isn't. Christmas should be one of those times, not that we're fearful of or dread, it should be one of those times we celebrate. And We get excited about it. We cannot wait for Christmas kickoff. We can't wait for to see what God's going to do. It, it should be the most exciting time of the year. And I put it in your notes because we, Christ's arrival on Earth is what we celebrate. That's what Christmas is. Please fill that in. It's Christ's arrival on Earth. It's the most exciting time of the year. Now today we're going to talk about another exciting time in the in, in, in history of the world that even hasn't even happened yet. I want you to read this verse in Luke two eleven. I put it there in your outline. It says this: The angel said. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. I, what a great verse. He's saying, hey, the angels are saying Jesus has come that very first Christmas morning. What a great thing to celebrate. What an amazing time to spend with your family, to spend worshiping God. Just in a great time of the year. Now we're going to talk about a, a day today that's just as spectacular, just as world changing, just as amazing. Scholars have debated when it's going to happen For centuries. People have guessed for a long time. They know exactly when it's going to happen. And they've been wrong every single time. What day is that? It's the day when Christ, Jesus Christ, is going to come back to earth. The Bible says it time and time again. Some of you might hear it be called the second coming or the rapture. What's going to happen when Christ comes back to earth? And why should we bother celebrating that? But we don't know when it's going to happen. If you would, write the word unknown in there. We don't know when it's going to come. Now, I will say this. I'm praying it happens Monday. Because Election Day is Tuesday. I'm praying maybe Monday, Jesus is going to come back. And here's the deal it might because the Cubs won. It, I'm just saying. It's a sign, right? It, it could happen. For all of our campuses overseas, the Cubs are an American baseball team, haven't won a championship in 108 years. If you're a Cubs fan, live it up. It's awesome, right? But that's, that could be a sign that, who knows, Jesus could come back. The Cubs won the World Series. It could be a sign. We don't know when it's going to happen, and people have speculated for a long time. In fact, I love this. What happens in, in, in Scripture? We read about it. Is Jesus? You know, he's he's born at Christmas. He dies. He's crucified. He resurrects, and and then he goes back to heaven. And, and the scene is this: so He's up on a hillside. Jesus is there with all the people around him, and he says, "It's time for me to go back home." And he's standing there. And the Bible says he ascends to heaven. All these people watch him go. And I, I love the verse there. I put in your outline. It's in Acts 1.11. All these people were watching. And you can just imagine. His disciples must have had this open jaw like, did that just happen? Do we just watch Jesus rise up into heaven? Let's see what it says. Men of Galilee, the angel said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven. But someday, underline this, someday he will return from heaven. It says it right there. Someday Christ will come back in the same way you saw him go. Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, is going to come back down here to earth. Now, generally, there's two different reactions to this truth. The first is people are like, yes, I can't wait. Bring it on. I hope he comes back before my rent is due. That would be awesome. Before my student loans come due. Please, Jesus, come back. And then there's another group of people who say, you know what? I, I'm cool with Jesus coming back, but I want, to watch, I want to watch my kids grow up first. I want to get married. I want to find my man, right? Or my woman, in case as the case may be. I, I, I'm okay with him coming back, but just can we just delay it until I get really, really old? Is that okay? There's a lot of different ways to look at the second coming of Christ. Here's the point. It's coming. It's going to happen. So what is that going to look like? What does it look like? I'm going to give you the really quick flyby of, the, of when Jesus comes back, the Reader's Digest version. If you don't know what Reader's Digest is, Google it, okay? But it's usually the short version. I'm going to give you the very short version of a very complicated part of the Bible. It's found in the book of Revelation. I put the kind of the outline there, in your outline. I gave you some some scripture there. that I want to encourage you to read those scriptures. Okay, we're not going to have time today to go through all of those. But read them on your own to find out what happens. Here's what's going to happen the day Christ comes back. Number one, everyone on the earth will see it happening. The trumpets will, will, will play, the clouds will part, and Christ will be visible again. And everybody on the planet will see it. Those that are believers in Christ will rise to meet him and spend eternity with him in heaven. Those that do not believe by that point will be eternally separated from God. And if you go on and keep reading, what happens is there's a battle that happens and the devil, the enemy, the adversary will lose. Here's spoiler alert if you haven't read it, okay. The devil loses. And he's thrown into the lake of fire and he's eliminated for good. And then the last thing, of course, we read in Revelation 20 and, or 21 and 22 is that there's a new earth. The earth that we're currently in will be perfected. God will come down, make everything right. No more disease, no more worry, no more doubt, no more taxes, no more fear. All that will be gone. And it will be a perfected version of earth in Revelation 21 and 22. And the Bible says that's where we will reside with God forever. Kind of the new heaven. will be right here on a perfected earth. Now that again, that is a very, very quick synopsis of what happens here in the book of Revelation. But I encourage you, if you're interested in more, to continue to read it. Those are the highlights, okay? Now... The scriptures say that when Jesus comes back, he's not coming back as a a beat-up servant. He's not coming back as a whipping boy. He's not coming back as somebody who's going to suffer anymore. He's going to come back as the king of kings and the lord of lords. And every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that he is lord. There will be one world religion and it will be Christianity. Christ will be honored and glorified. He's coming back as the king. And the Bible talks about it time and time again. When he comes back, he's going to be triumphantly returning on a white horse to lead us home. So we know that day is coming. The question is, what are we supposed to do in the meantime? I mean, it could happen tomorrow. It could happen 10,000 years from now. What are you and I and all of our campuses, what are we supposed to do in the meantime? That's what we're going to talk about today for the next couple of minutes. And I wrote in your notes, there's one give and four takes to talk about what we're supposed to do in the meantime. What do we do before Jesus comes back? Here's the first thing. And this is, by the way, before I give you the, the fill in there, this is the most important one. This is by far the most important step of all five of these, what we're supposed to do. Here it is. Number one, to give your heart to Christ. To give your heart to Christ. It is key and paramount that we all line up and if we have to have a faith in Christ. To be able to stand up and say, I believe in Jesus. I have a relationship with him. Because we just went over the steps that are going to happen. Jesus is going to come down to earth. And the Bible says when that trumpet sounds, it's, that's it. That's it. Whoever decided to follow him will go and join him. Whoever didn't by that point will be eternally separated from God. He says, "What, what, what, what side are you on with this question? It, it, let's say it happened tomorrow. Would you, would you, which side of the, of the equation would you be on?" Now, I don't say that to scare anybody. I'm just saying it simply because it's the truth. It comes straight out of Scripture. What have you given your heart to Christ? Now, I know there's a lot of us in this room today, all of our campuses, that have been wrestling with this for a while. You're just not sure. Did Jesus, was Jesus really the son of God? Did he really come back to life? Did he really resurrect for me? And you're pretty convinced that he did. You're not sure. You've been on the fence about it. I just want you to know that it's important to get this nailed down. To know that you know that you know that Christ came and died for you. That God sacrificed his son to, so he could spend eternity with you. The first thing we have to do before Jesus gets here is to give our hearts to Christ it would be absolutely irresponsible of me to, to teach this today and not give you that opportunity. And I want to do that in just a second. I want to read you John 3.16. Maybe you've seen this verse before. It says, for this is how God loved the world. This is how God loved potential church. This is how God loved your neighbor. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him, underline that if you would, everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That if you have a belief in Christ as your Lord and your Savior, you will never die. You will live forever. And no matter when Jesus comes back, you'll be ready. So I ask the question again. If it happened tomorrow, are you ready for that? This is eternity we're talking about. This is the most important decision you'll ever make in your life. Now, I'm going to ask everybody if you would, whether you pray this prayer or not, in just a second to bow your heads. But before you do, I'm going to share a salvation prayer with you. It's not magical. The words that are going to come out, nobody's going to glow or ascend or have this angel land on their shoulder. Here's what this prayer simply does. It's saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to give everything I understand about me to everything I understand about God. I'm not perfect. I still have flaws. But you know what? I can't keep living life under my own power. I need to give my life, turn my heart over to Jesus Christ. And I believe that he died for my sins. And I believe that he's coming again. And I believe that he's the son of God. That's what that prayer means. So I'm going to ask if you would, bow your heads for everyone in this room, all of our campuses and online. No matter where you are in your home, in your living room, watching today on our internet campus, bow your head if you would. Let's pray together. If you're feeling that nudge, I'm going to ask you to say these words in your heart. They don't be exactly what I say. Just say them in your heart as I say them aloud. Dear Jesus, we admit that we are sinners. We miss the mark. We blow it. We sin every day. But Father, we believe with our whole heart. We believe that you are the Son of God. We believe that you came on this earth to die for our sin. And the Father, we believe that you resurrected on that third day. And Father, today we commit. We give everything we understand about ourselves to everything we understand about you. We commit to you. Come into our hearts, be our Lord, be our savior. Father, save me, salvage me, come into my heart. I wanna begin a relationship with you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen, amen. Now, I believe with my whole heart today that somebody in this room, somebody at one of our campuses today prayed that prayer for the very first time. I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand. I'm not gonna ask you to come forward, but I'm gonna ask you to do one thing. Just let us know you did that. There's a card in the backs of the seat backs in front of you, all of our campuses. Just let us know. We'd love to be able, to we're not gonna call you and nag you or bug you. We just wanna say congratulations. And if you need a Bible, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, and you said, I'd like to have a Bible. We have free Bibles right out there. No questions asked, just giving you a Bible. To walk. It, it is, and I want to say, for, I want to be the first to tell you, congratulations. You will never make a more important decision in your life, ever. No matter who you marry, what school you go to, your salvation. You're talking about your eternity here. That if Jesus comes back tomorrow, you're ready to go. You don't have to worry about this end time stuff. You, you know that you have, you know what you know, what you know, and you're now in a relationship with Christ. Very, very important as we get started today. Here's number two. Now, let's say you've already prayed that prayer. What else am I supposed to do until Jesus comes back? Number two, keep things current. Keep things current. Scripture tells us in Mark 13. It says, however, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Now again, we're back to saying this is the end times. No one knows when this is going to come. No one knows when Jesus is going to come back. Including, ironically enough, Jesus doesn't even know. Only God the Father knows. Only the Father knows. And since you don't know what time will come, underline this if you would, be what? Be on guard. Be ready. Be ready. Get your house in order. Get those details ironed out. Be ready for when this happens. What does that mean? Well, I think we have to keep short account with each other. Let me ask you this, church. Do the people in your life know how you feel about them? When's the last time you pulled your teenager in and said, I love you. You're awesome. When's the last time you told your wife or your husband, I I love you. No ulterior motive. Just say, I love you. Do the people in your life know where they stand with you? In fact, fill this in if you would. The first thing we need to do is to share our feelings. Now, for some people, this comes naturally. We do it all the time. But for others, it's important. Share what you feel about someone. I do a lot of funerals. And when I do a funeral, the number one challenge that people have in the funeral is they want five more minutes with the person who's passed away because they didn't get a chance to express how they felt. The Bible said if if this all came to an end tomorrow, if Christ came back with the people you know, know how you feel about them. Share your feelings, it's important. Number two, choose to forgive. Choose to forgive. There's a lot of folks that are hung up on some things that happened decades ago. That just don't matter anymore. But for some reason, they just can't forgive. And forgiveness is one of those prisons we create for ourselves. We lock ourselves away. We refuse to forgive. They haven't asked for it. They don't deserve it. I'm not going to do it. And we refuse to forgive. And here's, here's the ironic part. The people that we don't want to forgive have forgotten about what they did a long time ago. So we wake up every day with this pit of our stomach pain going, I just can't forgive them. I just can't forgive them. And they wake up going, where's breakfast? So true. We've got to get our house in order. We have to tell people how we feel and we have to choose to forgive people who have wronged us. Here's number three. We have to get things fixed. We have to get things fixed. Now, here's what I don't mean. I don't mean you've got to fix that leaky You know, faucet in the back room before Jesus comes back. There's a lot of elbowing going on. See, I told you, fix it. No, that's not what I mean. I mean life things, right. Have the hard conversations you got to have. Learn to trust again. Make sure that your house is in order. The Bible says because Jesus can come back tomorrow. We have to make sure things are the way they need to be. I put in your notes this, there's there's no answer here. But it says if I knew Jesus was coming tomorrow, I would change blank with my family and friends. What would you change if you knew? That tomorrow, Christ was coming back. Would you treat your family and friends nicer? Would you be more honoring to your parents? Would you tell the people you knew that you love them? What's holding you back? Do we need to have an ultimatum to do these things? No, the Bible says make sure that you're ready. Be ready. Have your, your relationships up to date. That's number number two. Number three, keep improving yourself. Keep improving yourself. You know one thing I noticed? One thing that I noticed was um, I have a treadmill at home. (laughs) Anybody have have exercise equipment at home? We had a yard sale in our neighborhood today. You know what the number one thing out there for sale at the yard sale? Ellipticals. I know, I see you. I see you. I feel that. I have a a treadmill at home. And you know, I can stare at that treadmill all day. And I'm not going to drop a single pound. You know? No matter how much I stare at my workout shoes, it's not going to work off that Snickers bar. That I ate. Oh, Snickers bar, man, those things are delicious, aren't they? That nougat, that crunch—you know, when you take the bite. I wish I had one right now. I don't. I don't. Some of you guys are like—he talked about that two times ago. I don't have. I, last time I gave out a Snickers, I got help between now and then. I'm good. I'm good, right? No matter how much we want to work out or stare at the equipment, if all we do is stare at it, we're never going to lose a single pound. The same thing happens when it comes to our to, to this time we have with Christ. Does Jesus want us to just put our hands on our pockets and stare at the heavens and go, okay, Christ, when we're ready, just go on down and do nothing? And just sit there neutralized and just stare at the sky and not grow anymore and not care anymore and just neutralize ourselves? No. Look what, it, look what the Bible says in 2 Peter 3. It says, and so, dear friends, while you are waiting for these things to happen, again, these things to happen means Jesus is coming back. While you're waiting for Jesus to come back, underline this phrase, make every effort. To be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his sight. Do something. While you're waiting for him to come back, get busy. Do something. Make an effort to do what? To live peacefully, live purely, and live blamelessly. Don't just sit there and wait for Christ to return. Do something about it in the meantime. The Bible breaks it into three different things you're supposed to do. Here's the first one. Peaceful. Are you living a peaceful life? In your family, are you the water that puts out the fire? Are you the gasoline that makes it burn brighter? You only know that answer. Are you a peacemaker or an instigator? Do you like to aggravate and start fights and then walk away? You know people like that, don't you? Maybe you see one every morning in the mirror. Is that you? Are you living a peaceful life? Are you wearing a referee jersey or not? Are you the peacemaker? Number two, be pure. Be pure. The Bible says to honor God with what we think. What we say and what we do. If there was some way for me to project your thoughts on a billboard off the major highway right out here, would that be okay? A lot of us are saying, no way. I don't want people to know what I'm thinking. Right? Or the words I'm sharing, do they honor God? Or how about this? What if I was to walk into your house and say, hey, can you pull up your Netflix queue? I'd love to know what's next that you guys have queued up to watch or what you've already watched. Would that honor God? Would you watch it next to Christ? Now, I'm not judging anybody. But I'm just saying this. The Bible tells us that we have to live pure lives. We have to honor God with what we say, what we think, and what we do. Now, you guys get to control the gate just like I do on what I do on all three of those. It also says we have to live a blameless life to establish a godly reputation or be above reproach. Everybody in this room at all of our campuses, all of us have a reputation. Do you know that? You all have a reputation. In fact, let's let's have fun. Turn to your neighbor, whether you know them or not, okay, and tell them one thing about your past that you're not proud of. Go ahead. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Don't do it. Don't do it. (laughs) People here are like, uh, they're looking at you like, is he serious? No, don't. (laughs) Some of you guys are freaked out right now. It's okay. It's okay. I I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. Why do we want to share that? Because it would give us a reputation. It may change the way people think about us. All of us have a reputation. The Bible says, hey, clean it up. You, you maybe you've heard the, the cliched phrase, if being a Christ follower was a crime, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Do people know you're a believer? Do, what's your reputation in your neighborhood, at your, at your workplace? Do you get along with everybody because you try to be like them or do you represent Christ? It says have a blameless reputation. Be above reproach. Now does that mean we all have to be saints? No, we're all going to blow this all the time. But we've got to work on it. The Bible says, hey, while you're waiting for Christ to come back, not only tell people how you feel, not only keep your relationships in, in close account, but make sure that you're growing in the meantime. I put in your notes this. I put faith means we just stop and watch. I can tell you that I have faith. I have faith that Christ is going to come back. And I just stay and spend the rest of my life like this, staring up at the sky. Here's what real faith is. Fill that in. Real faith means that I have to get this stuff right. I have to live a blameless life. I have to live it. Paul says faith without works is what? It's dead. I actually have to live out my faith. I can't just stop and put my life into neutral waiting for Christ to come back. I have to continue to grow in the process. I put in my notes that I have to, it's my responsibility to be the best best version of myself that I can be. I have to continue to grow while I'm waiting on Christ. So we have to give our hearts to Jesus, keep short accounts, continue to grow. Here's number four. We have to keep inviting other people. Keep inviting other people. Now, I spent a lot of time looking for a verse in the Bible that talked about handing out invite cards or, or, or inviting people to church. And I found some things here and there. But I found this one verse. Now, I don't know if you've ever done this or not, but you ever read the Bible and you read a verse, and it's it's cool, but then you read it again at a certain time in your life and it just clicks. Like, yeah, that's exactly what God wanted to tell me. I want to share this with you. This is a verse Jesus is recruiting... Uh, Disciples. He's going through and he's choosing his, his inner twelve. And he, he, he taps Philip on the shoulder and he says, Philip, follow me. And, and I love what Philip Philip goes and grabs his buddy Nathaniel. And here's what he tells him in John 1, verse 45 and 46. It says, Philip went to look for Nathaniel and told him, We have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is This is the interactive portion of our show today. His name is what? Jesus, yeah, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Now he says, hey, this is the guy. I found him. He tapped me on the shoulder. He wants me to join him. Philip's all excited. This is going to be awesome. What does Nathaniel say? Nathaniel says what? He goes, Nazareth? You say Jesus is from Nazareth? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Is anything? It's a little tiny town. How can something good come out of Nazareth? And I love the way Philip replies to, Nazareth, to, 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 to Nathaniel, It is the very reason we invite people to church. It's only five words. It's right there. Can you see it? He tells Nathaniel, come and see for what? For yourself. Come see for yourself. That's why we invite people to church. Come see for yourself. When you hand somebody an invite card or invite them to come that you work with or your family, you say, hey, you want to know how God's changed my life? Come see for yourself. You want to know how to manage your money God's way? Come see for yourself. You want to experience joy like you've never experienced it ever in your life? Come see for yourself. When you hand them a card, it says, Join us and come see for yourself that Jesus is the real deal. That's what Philip told Nathaniel. You really want to know what something good can come out of Nazareth? Come see for yourself. We have to experience Christ for ourselves. I put this in your notes. Inviting isn't about filling a seat, it's a way for us to help people see the power of Jesus up close. I love that. I was out here, I was actually in the wing a few minutes ago while you guys were out here worshiping, and I watched you worship. You got to see Jesus up close. We see stories on the screens. People share their testimonies. That is Jesus up close. This is what he does. Jesus changes people. He changes their life. The goal of Potential Church, the heart of our pastors, Pastor Troy and Pastor Steph, is not to make Potential Church a gigantic church. Did you know that? The goal of their heart is to make Jesus Christ famous. And that you can see him every single week in the lives of the people here who he's changed. Who he's worked through. Who he's developed. Who he's helped to grow. That's the goal. Why not invite people to see Jesus up close? That's why we want to bring him in here. This is a very safe and wonderful place to hear a life-changing, dangerous message that will absolutely turn your life upside down for the better. That's the design. We want to see Christ up close. Please fill this in. One Christmas invite can change someone's eternity. One Christmas invite can change someone's eternity. I can tell you that because it changed mine. Came here a long time ago, right around Christmas time, September, October, right around the fall. And the person who invited my wife and I tried 12 times to do it, and I told her no all 12 times. But for some reason on the 13th try, they handed me another card, and I said, okay, we'll try it. My life has never been the same, because when I came here, you know what I saw? I saw wonderful people, but I also saw Jesus up close. I saw what he did in the lives of the people I loved around me. I got to see what Christ did. I I came to see for myself that Jesus' claims were true. I read a stat that said 60% of your family and friends would come to church if you invited them. Six out of ten. Now I thought, man, that's low. But that's pretty good. Imagine if you have ten invites, six people are going to come with you. That's what Jesus says, hey, keep doing that. Before I come back, make sure you continue to invite people here. Because I know one day when he does come back and we all rise to meet him, those that are in a relationship with Christ, wouldn't it be amazing to look over and see the person you invited to church rising up with you? To know that that they gave their lives to Christ. They prayed a prayer just like you prayed a few minutes ago. That would be amazing. And, And God used you, broken you, broken me to invite them to church. To see Jesus up close. One last thing and we're done. We need to keep looking forward. Keep looking forward. John 14 says this. Now this is Jesus talking. He says this. I I love this verse, by the way. You should star this in your Bibles if you haven't already. Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? Underline this next phrase if you would. When everything is ready, I will come get you so that you will always be with me where I am. I love this verse because Jesus says, when everything's ready, I'm coming back. And when I come back, everything's gonna be made right. Cancer will be forever gone. Heartache and pain will no no longer take place. Guilt, worry, fear, gone when he comes back. When the timing is right, Jesus says, I will come back and make things right. I'm looking forward to that day. I look forward to the day when Christ comes back. I I can't wait for it to happen. He says, it's coming. But you know, when I think about Christmas, and I think about that baby in the manger, and I think about what we're about to celebrate as a church, I, I get so excited. In fact, I put in your notes this, if you wouldn't mind, fill this in. Christmas reminds us that God's perfect plan is already in motion. That first Christmas morning means God's plan A is already in motion. He sent his son. And his son came and his son grew up and his son was crucified for us. And he was was buried, he resurrected, and he ascended back to heaven. Part A, complete. That's what Christmas reminds us of. But we also can celebrate part B of the same plan. That's why I get so excited at Christmas. I've been here 20 years. It's not the Christmas tree that gets me excited. What gets me excited is I know Christ is here. Christ came for me, and he's coming back. And I get a chance to celebrate that at Christmas time. That's what gets me fired up. That's what gets me wanting to invite my friends to come with me. I want to encourage you, church, do the same. Get fired up about Christmas. Not for the for the for the bows and ribbons and packages. But just to remind you that Christ, He's already, he's already got a plan for you. He's coming back for you. We celebrate his birth at Christmas time, but we also look forward to celebrating that return. Please fill those in. We celebrate Christ's birth at Christmas time, but we also look forward to celebrating his return. Whenever that is. Now, church, I know there are some people today, all of our campuses, that are struggling. You're feeling you came in today with something on your heart. Now, I want to encourage you, don't put your notes away just yet. I know it's so tempting when you fill that last blank in. I know. Same reason when I skip one, you all look at each other. I know, I know, I know. Hang tight. Because I know somebody came in here today in pain. Infertility. Depression. Bankruptcy, struggling marriage, challenging children, heartache and heartbreak, and it hurts. And all you came in here today was looking for hope. You came in looking for hope. I wanna share a story with you that I ran across that kind of ties this whole day in together. It's about a man who was touring a hospital. He was a visitor, a guest. And it was a a children's hospital run by a Christian organization. And as he went into this Christian hospital, he saw these children who were there for various reasons. They were there for whether it be physical handicap or disease. Many of them hadn't had visitors in a while. They just were together in this hospital. And he went and he took this tour. And the guest, the the, the guide walked him into every single room. And the the hotel was immaculate. No hotel, the hospital was immaculate. Everything in its place. And the man walked through and he handed gifts to the children and he watched them smile and hug them and it was wonderful. And on his way out, the tour guide says, what did you think? And the man says, it was a beautiful hospital. But you know, I I did notice one thing. This whole entire hospital is immaculate. But when I looked at the windows, the windows that were pointing to the outside, I saw they were all smudged. Why were the windows, why do they have handprints and nose prints all over them? The tour guide kind of cleared his throat and he said, these kids, they're so in love with Jesus that every single day they run to the window and they put their hands and their face on that glass. And they look outside hoping that that's the day that Christ comes back to rescue them. Those children knew that A, Jesus is coming back, that B, Jesus is the hope of the world. And that when he comes back, everything that's holding him in that hospital will be gone. But you know what they also knew? That meanwhile, while they were waiting for this to happen, the same Jesus they were hoping would return was the same Jesus giving them hope to get through what they were going through now. I wanna tell you something, church. I know you're hurting. I know there's challenge in your life. I know you're like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. I'm struggling. I'm at my wit's end, I'm begging God, God, what do I do here? I'm in such deep pain. I cringe thinking about Christmas. It's just going to depress me more. I want to remind you, the same God, the same Christ that's returning to us someday in the future is the same Christ that's going to get you through the season that you're currently in. Keep fighting. Don't give up on yourself or your life or your circumstances because we serve a God of hope. God is unchanging. And one day when he comes to make all this better, and he will, we'll be ready for him. But in the meantime, don't give up. Run to the glass. Look out for Christ. And he's going to come through in your life. Potential church, I want this to be the best Christmas we've ever had. But there's far too many people that are putting fingerprints on the wrong side of the glass. There are people that are coming up to the, the, the church and going, where can I find hope? They're on the outside looking in. I'm hopeless, I'm helpless, I need need something in my life. And their, their fingerprints are on the other side of the glass looking in. Let's make this the best Christmas ever. Let's bring them in. Let's invite them in here so they can see Jesus up close. And they can put their fingerprints right next to ours against that glass and saying, Jesus, whenever you come back, we'll be ready for you. Thank you for being the God of hope, the God of strength, the God of love, the God who's gonna get me through the challenges in my life right now. Bring them in. And it will be the most amazing Christmas we've ever had. Remember, it's not about making sure that just we're ready for Christ's return. It's about making sure we share the hope of the gospel, the good news, Christ's love to as many people as we can. It could be tomorrow, It could be a week from now or 10,000 years from now. Let's help people know who Christ is. Remind them of the hope that's found in him. And that someday when that trumpet sounds, we'll all go home together. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you. Thank you that it's so clear in your word that you're coming back. God, I ask that you bless each and every person here. Remind them, Father, that you have a purpose for their lives. And then, Father, we wait in eager anticipation of your return. But in the meantime, Father, help us get things in order. Help us tell those we love that we love them. Help us to continue to grow while we wait. Help us to invite those that we know need to find the hope that's found in you. And we will give you all the glory for the breakthroughs that are coming. It's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's give God a hand today, if you would.